Hey, everyone. Happy Monday. I'm Ryan, your host of the Business of Intelligence podcast, and I'm back with another episode of the Monday Morning Practitioner, a new segment from the Business of Intelligence. In just a few short minutes each week, I do my best to quickly deconstruct and analyze lessons from various experiences I've encountered over the last 20 years, (laughs) 20 years as an intelligence practitioner to include the wins, the losses, and everything in between. The ultimate goal is to see if we can use these learnings to improve even 1% each week as risk intelligence practitioners, programs, and leaders. So no long-form interviews during this segment, no fluff or fanfare, just what I hope is going to be information that you can take away and use right now. Now, if you had the chance to listen the last two weeks, you know that we are primarily focused on the topic of customers. But this week, I'm going to shift gears just a bit and speak to something that I think is probably top of mind for almost every in-house team and those who support in-house teams, which is global elections. Sources vary a bit on the numbers. I recognize that. But I'm going to quote Time magazine, which states, 2024 is not just an election year. It's perhaps the election year where voters will head to the polls in countries with close to half the world's population. Now, that is an incredible statistic, no matter what way you look at it. And it begs the question, why does that matter to us? What's the so what? Well, we know elections fuel political unrest and violence, and we know that that can have an outsized impact on our organizations, whether it's our people, our supply chain, our operations, our brand reputation, etc. The list goes on. And so as an intelligence practitioner, my team is often asked, can you predict if unrest will happen? And if so, where and when will it take place? So that's really the backdrop of this episode. It's also important to point out, though, that these questions are not limited to just when there's an election, because organizations and their people can be impacted by unrest or protest activity driven by a variety of issues, as we all know. And so just as a quick reference, let me turn to the Armed Conflict Location Event and Data Project, or ACLED, which collects real-time data on the locations, dates, actors, fatalities, and types of all reported political violence and protest events around the world. If you look at their global database and you start filtering for the year 2023, and then you look at the event types and choose protest, you'll come back with almost 140,000 protest events globally last year. 140,000. So there's a good likelihood that your organization was impacted in some small way in 2023, others in much, much bigger ways. But it really sort of speaks to why this topic is so important and relevant to us right now. Now, those questions around predicting unrest have been increasingly asked over the last few years. And as a result, I've learned quite a bit along the way of sort of going through this process and trying to answer those questions. So now let's shift gears from context and background to share a few of those actual learnings. This is certainly not going to be comprehensive in any way or all-encompassing, but here are a few things that I've learned, starting with number one. First, it's really difficult to manage risks that you don't assess. And so when I think about that lesson, there are a few things that are top of mind. If you don't have a formal risk assessment process, you should certainly think about one. And if you did, I think this would be at the top of your list or or near the top of your list in 2024. But if you don't have that formal process, another creative way to sort of think through this is by having a risk register, 
which I think is a great way to just have everyone think about what is possible in terms of the risk to our organization. What do we need to be tracking? What do we need to understand when something changes and why that matters? And I think if you go through that creative process, you're probably going to land on political unrest or social unrest for that register. So that's one thing. Another thing that's top of mind is the importance of understanding your organization's risk tolerance. That is really important because that can keep you really, really dialed in and focused on what matters most. And it can save you a lot of time in the end in terms of what you're focused on, what you're collecting, what you're analyzing. So before you go into this, understand your organization's risk tolerance, whether or not it's high, low, somewhere in between. What else is top of mind? Well, I know this is certainly obvious, but I'll say it anyway. Just the importance of always maintaining awareness of your personnel and assets. It's a great starting point for this process. It's something that I've learned over and over again. It's often sort of the first question asked when you start playing through this in terms of what is the impact analysis of potential unrest and the subsequent risk to the organization. Number two is the importance of investing in developing an early warning system. And this is something I'm really passionate about. I think we could do, or I probably do a more long form episode on this. But when I think of early warning, I think about having a horizon scanning program. And what I like to say is a horizon scanning program could be the start and the heart of any intelligence program where you're just developing this process of scanning the horizon, looking for emerging risks, You're trying to develop foresight in that early risk detection, which can be incredibly helpful in this case. I think it's a must-have if you're going to try to answer those questions I posed at the top as part of your risk mitigation and risk management process. Now, what I think is also important to say is really the importance of learning the art of managing expectations. So just because you have an early warning system in place, whatever it looks like, you have to manage your key stakeholders' expectations because you don't want to create the expectations that you can see it all, that you can find everything, that nothing's going to get past you, that you're not going to miss everything. Because there are obviously some negative ramifications to that if that is the expectation, and that's just not possible. So think about managing expectations as you build your early warning system. And then something else that I've really learned over the years and Again, it seems so obvious, but when you think about it, think about an early warning system as omni-channel, multiple collection platforms, not just one or two really effective collection platforms or channels. You're just going to have gaps if you're only focused on a couple of those. And so really think about this holistically. Also consider doing a gap analysis on what you might be missing and how you need to fill those gaps as you're sort of scanning the horizon and trying to develop early warning and anticipatory intelligence. Now, this next point is a segue to point number three, or lesson number three, and that is there are limitations to intelligence, certainly. It's not always a risk management fail-safe. So keeping that in mind, my third takeaway is the idea that we have to focus probably more on preparedness than the likelihood of something happening or probabilities. So preparedness over probabilities. And I say that for one main reason, and that is we're living in this time right now where we have so much information at our fingertips. I mean, it's been written about in every publication imaginable, but despite having all this information, it doesn't make it any easier to detect those early warning signals. There are things that can help us. There's AI and machine learning, 
tools. There's other things that are helping us do that. But again, it's never going to be this perfect solution. So we have to think about preparedness. We have to accept the fact that we're not going to catch everything. And going back to the art of managing expectations, it's important to let your key stakeholders know that you're not going to catch everything. So when it comes to preparedness, I think about the role that intelligence can play. And I've learned that there are at least two really critical focus areas where we can add value, not limited to two, but there are two that stand out. And one is industry benchmarking and the ability to reach out across organizations to friends and colleagues and understand what approach they're taking, what know-how they have, what lessons they have, and bring that back into your org. And then scenario planning, which I'm a huge advocate for and a big fan of because really it doesn't cost anything. It doesn't matter if you're a really small team. I think you're only limited by your imagination, but it can really get the mind and the wheels turning around what's possible and subsequently what plans you need to put in place for preparedness and resilience and mitigation. And finally, number four, I've learned that both intelligence and risk management are team sports and therefore effective communication is going to make or break that team. But the intelligence function itself can informally serve as a team captain, if you will, and play a really important role. And so if you think about this, we've seen this evolution where our approach to various risk domains or threats can no longer be viewed in silos and they can no longer be handled by individual departments because risks transcend borders, so to speak, of our individual departments. So what I've seen and experienced is that the intelligence function can play this unsung role and gain exposure by taking a leading role and serving as a bridge and bringing your department together with other departments through effective alignment and communication. So unless there's a crisis with a formally activated team, there's usually not a designated captain or a person, if you will, who's doing that. And so this is a real opportunity for the intelligence function to sort of play that role and add real value and, of course, get exposure, which I just mentioned. So, all right, just to recap, as you're thinking about preparing for the year of the election, and if you get posed those questions around prediction that I raised at the beginning of the episode, the four main takeaways are you won't be effective at managing the risks that you don't assess So think about what your risk assessment process is or if you need to advocate for one. Number two, invest in developing an early warning system. Number three, know that an early warning system is not a risk management fail safe. So you have to focus on preparedness and not just the likelihood of something happening. And number four, intelligence and risk management is a team sport where effective communication is key and the intelligence function can play this sort of unsung hero role when it comes to bringing people and bringing departments together to make sure that that communication does not fall apart. So that's it for today's episode. Thank you for choosing to spend your time with us. We really appreciate it. If you like what you hear, please like and subscribe wherever you listen to the podcast and also give us a follow on LinkedIn. More importantly, spread the word. Please tell a friend, a colleague, let us know if you have something to contribute, whether you want the attribution or you want to remain anonymous. It doesn't matter. We simply want to hear from you and the valuable lessons that you've learned so we can spread those far and wide. Until next time, thanks again and have a great week, everyone.